Welcome to the Superconscious Success Podcast, where Jen and her Superconscious Success family co-hosts bring you valuable content each and every week on topics relating to manifestation, spirituality, and most of all, using your superconscious to manifest success in all areas of your life. Now on to today's episode. Welcome to the Peace and Prosperity segment of the Superconscious Success Podcast. Now, in this podcast, myself and my co-host, Christopher Salem, bring you a segment filled with many nuggets and valuable light bulb moments that will help you to build harmony between your life commitments and the prosperity that you desire. In each published episode, we'll bring you inspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, business owners, and just all around inspirational people who can show you how they have moved from overwhelm, self-judgment, imposter syndrome, and all around insecurities to that of peace, power, potential, and of course, prosperity. So now I'm going to pass you over to Chris, who will introduce our guest speaker for today. Take it away, Chris. Hey, Jen, thank you so much for that. Our guest today is none other than Charlene Lynch from the Mindset or Mind Shift Movement. She's a speaker, thought leader, and a change maker who travels around inspiring others with her insight as how she moved from a place of complete disharmony to self-harm and obesity to a place of health, wealth, and prosperity she is at today. We're going to let her tell us her story because it really demonstrates how she personally used her methods and what we are talking about today to make massive change. And if you're wanting to go from where you are now to the incredible life you can only dream of, then this show is for you. Hey, Charlene, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. Thanks, Chris. It's uh, great to speak for, to you from across the waters. Awesome. It is. I, it's so funny how it's evening, Sunday night here. And for you guys, it's Monday. Uh, what is it like in the morning time, right? I guess I would think it would be mid-morning I would believe right at, at 8, this point 8 45 Adelaide time yes yeah hey Charlene thanks so much for being on the podcast we are so happy to have you here today and um, from my own home country so um, when we get started can you just let us know a bit about your story because you've got an interesting story as to how you did actually use um, your techniques of mind shift to move through a tragedy that you experienced and um, yeah, move you from one stage of your life through to the other. Can you go through that story with us, please? Oh yeah, I've got to sort of say that we need to announce to the audience that there's some triggers in this mm. story. So if um, I just want to make sure that you're okay and you're with somebody that can love you through it. Mm -hmm. So with your permission, then I'll, uh, I'll share the story. So it was a, like, a cool September night in 2011. Uh, I came home from a birthday party and I was sort of sober, which is really unusual for me because I don't live, I didn't live in the land of sober. And I want to let my son know that I was home early, which was surprising from the birthday party. So I, I knock on his door and uh, let him know. And mummy's home in true mummy style. And he doesn't answer. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. I try to open the door. The door's locked. I'm like, oh, he's probably gaming and doesn't want me to know what he's up to. Typical 17-year-old. So I asked my partner to go around the outside of the house and look in through his bedroom window so that we could uh, get his attention and let him know that we're home and, you know, just do the thing. That's when we discovered that my beautiful baby boy had hung himself. 
I ran to his room and I kicked his door down and I tried for 15, 15 long minutes to try and resuscitate him all while praying, praying that I would be able to revive him, that he would survive this. The ambulance officers came in with their hands fully laden with equipment and they ushered me out of the door. Time stood still as I stood outside of his door, still praying, still praying that they would be able to do what I couldn't do. The ambulance officer came out of Scott's room and he looked at me now. I know he said something, but I couldn't hear what he said. Just look on his face was enough. I crashed to the ground, still praying. Still praying. I got one word, one word in the answer to my prayers, and that word was forgive. I heard it so loud, so audibly. I thought everybody heard the word, but that word was only for me. When I was able to stand, the ambulance officer asked, do you want to come into Scott's room and say goodbye? And I did. I, I went into his room and I, I laid down on the ground and I rested my head on his chest. He's six foot three. And I rested my head on his chest and I said, mommy loves you, baby. And I forgive you for your choice. It wasn't until sometime afterwards when I was in a place where I could process what I'd been through that I understood that being able to forgive my son for his choice almost immediately put me in a different capacity than the people around me. I was healing at the speed of love. That night later on, I'm sitting in my chair with my legs tucked in underneath me and I'm staring at my giant cup of coffee that's now going cold. And I said, well, I thought I was just really talking to myself, but I, I actually said it out loud to everyone that was in the room. I'm not just going to survive this. I'm going to thrive through this. So the decision was made. I did not know what thriving looked like at that point in time, but I just had made the decision. Later on, still later on that night, still unable to sleep, uh, I'm just decided that I'll just get up and I'll just start writing the things that are in my head so that I can maybe make some space for some sleep. I found a, a spiral bound book and, uh, and I just started to write down the things that I knew that I was grateful for because I understood the concept that gratitude can heal and help me move forward. So I just started writing down all the things I was grateful about Scott, about my life. And, and you know, that began a daily journaling of gratitude that I still do today. In that week between Scott's passing and his funeral, you know, some days the only thing that was written on the journal was just one thing. You know, one day I remember I'd just written down the sun is shining. That was, that was a really, really hard day. Yes, and I still managed to find something to be grateful for. So for your audience, I want to ask them, who do they need to forgive? Mm. Do they need to forgive themselves, a parent, a child? Who do you need to forgive? What decisions do you need to make to get you from where you are to where you need to be? What line in the sand do you need to make? And how can you use gratitude to lift your frequency and put you in a place of healing? After that first list of gratitude, I then started writing out what I want my life to look like because my life was not that amazing at that point in time. And I needed to move out of 
a blaming frequency because as a mother, we take this to a whole new level of self-pity, a whole new level of blame, a whole new level of guilt and shame. It's, it's, a, mother, it's a mother thing, mm-hmm. a parent thing. No, no child should uh, die before the parent. It just seems unnatural. So I understood that with that gratitude and helping me move forward, writing those lists made the difference and writing the list of what I wanted my life to look like. And then began the list of where I currently was. Mm. And that was really hard. I've managed to shift in the 10 years. And uh, as you said, um, I've lost 25 kilos and I've become a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, getting younger every day, just saying <laughs> I'm 55 now. So I swear I'm getting younger every day. And uh, I've, um, I've managed to move away from a crippling hoarding disorder. And I wasn't just a little hoarder. I was the type of hoarder that they do television shows about. Oh. So 33 cubic metres of stuff. And now when you walk into my home, it looks like house and gardens. It, it's a hu- humongous shift. So what, uh, if I can just interrupt for a second, Charlene, I know that when it comes to hoarding and when it comes to that, there is a lot of emotional um, issues behind that. So can you go a little bit into when you managed to release um, the guilt and the shame and the blame that you had on yourself over your son's death? Um, is that when you made that shift with the hoarding and everything else that was going on in your life, once you actually released those emotions? So yes, and it's not something that can be done like oh. that. My understanding, mm-hmm. so my, my, so hoarding is a complex issue. Yes. Hoarding wasn't my only challenge. I was also an alcoholic, had been a highly functioning alcoholic for 30 years and also OCD to the point of self-harm and ADHD. So, and deep, deep periods of depression that lasted decades. So, mm-hmm. so it was more complicated than yes. just getting a few things. So what I've learned through going through the journey uh, of specifically in around clearing clutter for clarity is to uh, the the power of making a decision. So how I got to where I was in a hoarder is that every item that came into my proximity, here's a great example, I'm holding rubber bands, is that, you know, I don't understand the value of these. And to me, they could be valuable. So I'll keep them just in case. And also the concept that if I have more, I am more because I didn't understand that it was enough. So we, it's a complex disorder and uh, there's lots of roads to become a hoarder. It's not just one thing. It just mm. doesn't come from an abandonment issue or a, a lack of, uh, of um, self, self-esteem and self-worth. It's complex. So, mm. so one decision at a time, one thing at a time. And then it's like a muscle. I just got good at it. I kept doing it, doing it, doing it, making the decisions on what to keep, what not to keep. I uh, understood about decision fatigue and the choice paradox. Yeah. So, I have a background in holistic psychology. So I understand all this. Yes. And it doesn't mean I live it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we are human. We're human and we get ourselves into these situations. Yes. And I had still the skill set to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But I'd still been in that space for a long time. So, uh, so I used the skill set that I knew, and that's how I came up with the shift process. I came up with the shift process 
a, like retro, I reverse engineered it. Yep. So I had it. So what was happening is I was moving forward with my life, starting to put one piece of the puzzle in at a time and just moving forward at a frightening pace. And the people around me weren't moving forward. So I'm talking about just weeks after, months after. And so people were coming to me, family members, friends. There were 700 people at his funeral. I swear I've spoken to every single one of them and helped them in some way move forward. And then from there, it was helping businesses move forward. And it's the shift process. So mm -hmm. what the shift process is, it's beginning with seeing the big picture. So, so I, I saw the big picture when I started to craft out what could be possible for me. Now, when you have a look at a lot of other modalities, what they talk about is, let's see where you are right now. Mm. Now, the challenge is when you are not in a good space, when you are mucked up on a, I was going to swear I didn't, <laughs> when you're mucked up on a whole lot of levels, like I was, to say, look at where you are now, only just takes you down. Yeah. You can't even shift your frequency into a place where you could possibly see a way out. Yes, and. You can take any human being on this planet through a process where they can envision what their life could look like. And, you know, you can do this by doing a vision exercise, do a dream exercise, you know, for those who drink, have a few bottles and then dream it, like get a pen and paper and start crafting out what your life could look like, you know, and you can, you know, talk to your future self. There's lots of different ways to do it. And in businesses, we have a we if we've got a collection of people, we get them to sit down, we get each of the departments to craft what their vision is, and then we have a look at a unity vision of, mm -hmm. of the whole company. So it starts with looking at what's possible, looking at where you really want to go. If, if everything was different and you weren't where you were now, what would you really, really love? What's what's your soul saying you want to do? And I think so that. I think that one of the problems is that when we do we do script and we do envision where we want to go, we don't make those dreams big enough because we don't believe that we're capable of making it big enough. So what do you say about, about the sort of dreams that we need to set in order to be able to really start moving ourselves towards that place? They have to be to a point of that's unbelievable. That's, yeah. It has to be so uncomfortable that and then you know it's right. When it's mm -hmm. like, no way. So I saw so mine that said, world-class transformational public speaker. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are, girlfriend? You can't even get out of the house to get the mail. Yeah. You know? well, I, <laughs> yes, and though, but starting with that crafted message about what you want your life to look like is the place to start. And then the, the H in the shift process is honing on reality. So then you come back to where you really are and this is where you need to get real. Yes, and this is probably where you need a coach. Mm -hmm. So I did need to reach out to people who are experts in the field of nutrition, experts that were in the field of wellness, experts that were in the field. So I went to AA and I went to different groups to have a look at the alcoholism. So I had the awareness of where I was and I reached out to other groups to have a look at where they were and how they could help me move forward. I didn't do this by myself. I crafted the idea of where I wanted to be by myself. But when it came to honing on reality, I definitely sought professional attention for all the different aspects. And not just one person is going to heal everything. So a spiritual healer, a business mm. coach, a speaking coach, like I went to people that were expert authorities in their area to help me move forward. But it starts with that intention of where you want to be because mm -hmm. you, need to have a, you need to have a direction. Otherwise, we're like this, we're all over the place. Mm -hmm. And uh, we live as multi-passionate entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a bad place to be. Yes, and you do still need to have that that high hook to hang everything on. Mm -hmm. And then 
the next letter in the uh, in the shift process is I, which is implement quick wins. So that night, as I was staring at my giant cup of coffee, what I didn't understand was, is as so from that moment in time, I never had another coffee. Like I didn't, I didn't drink that coffee. I just store, I just stared at it. I didn't touch it. And I, and from that day on, and I was an eight cup a day girl. Mm. So, so then inside my brain, I'm like, wow, if I can give up coffee eight cups a day, maybe. Maybe I can give up alcohol. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Mm. So, so implementing quick wins, what we find um, is it gives us a serotonin hit, and it makes us believe that other change is possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the next letter you'll love this, uh, Jen is is F is stands for focus on the patterns mm-hmm. because what got us where we are <laughs> didn't happen overnight. No. It just, it is a series of events that got us here. And the challenge is, is that we don't see the patterns because we think so many thoughts a day and most of them are subconscious and we don't have that awareness. So this is why I journal everything. Like mm-hmm. I just, and I, everywhere I travel, I, I travel with a journal. So I journal everything. And then what I do is I re-journal as well. So at the end of a week, I'll go back and reread everything. And then I'll have a just one paragraph that summarizes that week. Mm-hmm. And then I'll read those paragraphs at the end of the month. So I'll re-journal the month. So I'll have a, and so for those of you who are multi-passionate entrepreneurs and you're looking for content, this is where your gold is. Yeah. The peeps that want to follow you, this is where it is. My, and- my dad has been journaling every day for since I was a baby and I mean religiously every day and he can go back and he can look at you know this date in 1984 um, and see exactly what happened on that date and I I think he must have something like 25 journals or something that he's done so you know it's um but it's he said and he and he always said to me journaling is so important to keep track of where you are to where you are where you were to where you are now and because of the journaling then you can go and you can really assess your life and you know you can even people have said because I've had I've had the sort of life where you know I've lived on Aboriginal communities I've I've had a lot of experiences as a child Um, and they said you need to write an autobiography Um, because because of those experiences and if I didn't have journals then I probably wouldn't remember half the stuff that that happened during those years. So I, I totally respect what you say, Charlene. I think it's amazing. I, 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 I second it because I've been yeah. journaling every day for 23 years and it's Good part of job, a process. We, we're very similar, Charlene, that, I, that if it wasn't for meditation and journaling right after, writing whatever comes out of my mind, mm-hmm. I would have never gotten to the root cause of my limiting beliefs and forgiven my father and then more importantly, forgiven myself to get into the solution that I've been living in for the last now 20, I'd say 21 years. It took me a good two years to kind of get into the rhythm of that and to really get that, those limiting beliefs out of my system and to forget. And the forgiveness was the biggest part, but journaling played a big role in that. And the consistency is so important what you stated and what Jen just confirmed with her dad. It's so, so true. And it, it's not just so that so the patterns will emerge from your journal. You you won't you don't need a therapist to figure this out. You just need to have a look at your journal, and the patterns will emerge. Also, for those that believe in past lives as well, you know it, 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 that the past life will just turn up in there. You'll see it, the patterns. And mm-hmm. if that's your if that's your thing, then see someone who's an expert in that space. 
And the other thing is family patterns as well. So, you know, we've got these things that happen in our life. We're like, whoa, that came out of left of centre. Well, did it? Did it happen to your parents at the same age? So, uh, like my grandmother, uh, she um, she was a condoplastic, a dwarf. She committed suicide at thirty eight. And oh, wow. then, and then uh, so suicide's not unfamiliar in our family. And then my mother had a nervous breakdown at thirty eight, and and I didn't have the connection. And at thirty eight, I had I had an, I had a breakdown, like mm. a, a dramatic one. Yes, and it wasn't until I started journaling that I actually saw, oh, it all happened at 38. Mm. So, like, there's these, and these patterns, that they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. But our job, if we want to step up to the next level, uh, to elevate, to, to go to the next frequency, is that we need to have an awareness around it. So, and as parents, it is our duty to stop this before it gets to the next generation and bring it to light. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I love, I love the F. And the last letter, the shift process is T, is take massive uh, action. And now I'm a recovering perfectionist. And uh, so I'm going to say take massive imperfect action. So yeah. I wouldn't move because the action had to be perfect. The action would never be perfect, so I wouldn't move. So I was just like... That's a, a big problem. That's a big problem is that we all that we all want everything to just, you know, we start a, a project or a program or whatever it is, and then it's like it never gets out there because it's never perfect and it's never going to be perfect. So we just don't end up putting it out. And it's like just get it out there and you know you can always revamp it it's not you know it's not like it's you can't change it we're in the we're in the modern age of computers and being able to alter things so i i totally agree charlene take that action and just it does not have to be perfect nothing has to be perfect no it's in fact failing is part of the process it's about failing yeah. forward Mm-hmm. And uh, you need to have that. So when I understood that failing was part of the process, then I would look for ways to fail. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've and then I'm like, oh, okay, that's okay. Didn't die. <laughs> Let's keep moving forward. And so now I embrace opportunities to push myself out of a comfort zone and see, hmm, I don't, I don't, if, if I'm going to succeed, I don't know here, but I'm at least going to give it a red hot go. And it's okay. If I fail, I fail forward. And at least I'm heading in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, I think I think that in your shift program, it really covers um, covers everything to move from that place um, to help you to move. If you if you have been dealing with trauma like what um, what Charlene has, um, I've also been impacted with those with suicide in my family as well. So it it is a very difficult thing to to go through um but i think your process is something that's really going to to move people forward and so i want to backtrack just a little bit and i want to ask about the whole forgiveness thing because it's it's very easy for us to say okay just forgive somebody but we struggle with forgiveness because we we as you said we take the blame we we take the shame we have all of these emotions that are wrapped up in it and often the last person that we forgive is ourselves so we can start to forgive somebody else and go okay this this was part of your journey and i understand you made that choice and i forgive you and it's a first great step how does someone begin to forgive themselves when they're in that place of like you said, like in the worst place that they've ever been in. Yeah, so just to, I hear you. Mm-hmm. 
So I carried around the worst story, and that was that my son had known that I had suicide ideation. So um, now this wasn't something that I had wanted him to hear. Yes, and there was a heated argument um, years before, and this was around when I was 38, when yeah. um, I was in that dark, dark place. And he'd heard a couple of words of a conversation I'd had with a therapist and put a couple of things together, and then we ended up having a really big argument about it. So I had this low frequency thought process that was in and around that that's why he chose to do this. And so, you know, I had to find a way to forgive myself and know that his reasons were his own yeah. and yeah. that um, and myself taking myself back to when I was in that dark place, I wasn't thinking about anybody else. No. I was only thinking about me and my pain and getting out of my pain. That's it. Yeah. So bringing myself back to that helped me realize that that's how he was thinking. Yeah. So, and anything that I put onto this story is my story. So, and so I just had to work through it, but one little step at a time. We, we can't go from, well, I suppose it depends how enlightened you are as the human mm. being, but to go from here to here is a massive shift. Yeah. So, but what I could do with the capacity that I had at that moment in time is just one tiny step at a time. Yeah. One tiny step at a time. So changing things like my language around mm -hmm. talking to myself. Yeah. Uh, so this is what I use. You're just going to laugh. <laughs> so <laughs> I use rubber bands. Uh, and so I have two different color rubber bands. And my dad taught me this, in fact. And he actually used it. My dad was a psych nurse. And okay. he used this uh, to help people move away from self-harm without them using medication at, in right. a psych hospital in Adelaide. <laughs> I know he wrote a white paper on it. Anyway, so I have two different color rubber bands and one rubber, one color is for my thoughts and the other color is for my words. Mm -hmm. So, And then I pop them on and then I've made a decision about something that I want to change and it could be my language in and around forgiveness around my situation. So if I say anything that doesn't support that, then I'll look at the rubber bands and the color that I've got here for my lipstick, for my lip, for my mouth. It's normally red, that's why, <laughs> but this one's beige. Um, and then I'll, click, I'll pick it. And yeah. yes, it does really hurt but it's enough for me to associate the pain with the thought process yeah and it would be lovely if humans loved pleasure rather than pain <laughs> but yeah. pain actually gets us to respond better so yes look this and <laughs> it just works for me yeah and so the other one is like if I thought a bad thing if I thought something that didn't support me well then I'd look at it and you know this is a gray one and the gray is for gray, gray matter, matter. Yep. I'd pick that one, I'd ping that one, and then I'd help me. And so just what it's doing is it's putting a space between thought and action so that mm. I've got time to reassess and have a look. Okay, this is a pattern of behavior, a pattern of thought process, a pattern of language that's been there for a long time, and I need to rewrite the story. So I use rubber bands to rewrite my story, and I still use them. I, I just came back from Melbourne, and I needed to change my language in and around a limiting belief I had about one of the things that I needed to present. And so I, I'm still You're using still them. <laughs> And I have like my secret weapon and they're free and and I believe when you find a way to heal yourself it sticks yeah and someone else sh shares it with you that's great but when you can take yourself through the end-to-end -end process still being educated by someone else as to how to do it I'm a really huge believer in coaches and mentors but you need to go you need to do the work yes yeah, yeah. Nobody else can do it for you, especially when it comes to the inner work. We we've got to we've got to recognize where we are right now with a vision of being at a much much bigger, much you know your dream place. But 
take responsibility for where we are because we we can't blame others for where we are right now we can't blame others for our thoughts or for our words or anything else we have to take responsibility and I think that's one of the first steps when it comes to forgiveness Um, take responsibility for where you are in the situation with your son when you did recognize that it was it was his choice it was his decision and it wasn't your decision that he did that. He had his own stuff that he was going through. Um, and this is something that I had to recognise at the same time. So it, it's a very, very difficult situation. Um, thankfully, I've never been in the exact situation as you. Um, but, yeah, but it is difficult. But um, your your whole process, I think, is amazing. What do you, what do you say, Chris? No, I think it, it absolutely is. And I think what everybody has to have a process mm-hmm. and Charlene had her process. She turned something a very, something that, I mean, the, the, the most difficult thing you'll ever go through in your life, what she experienced yeah. and how she was able to turn that into something that she can now help other people, but she had to help herself. And that process never ends. It's not something we do for a, a period of time. It's a lifetime thing. It's forever. I, 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 I stop meditating, journaling and doing my, routine every morning i mean i who knows i could go back to that 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 stinking thinking that i used to operate from it's a daily process so everyone's just gonna have a slightly different process so whatever works and i and i really uh love what you shared and it offers i think it offers a tremendous amount of value to the listeners absolutely i do too and i know that we're getting close to wrapping up yes we got uh yep Five minutes. <laughs> but what I do want to briefly um, cover before we do head off is that amazing G word of gratitude, because I think that we go through life, we we forget about what good we actually have in our life. And we focus on all of that, as you say, stinking thinking and all of that, what I don't have. What impact do you think that gratitude had in changing your journey? it was massive so even in that state of really deep depression deep 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 sorrow deep you know physical not being able to move just through the process you know he just passed away the day before like that day so this that was Saturday night this is Sunday so Sunday I'm now writing out um, my things that I'm grateful for and and I could feel I was pushing to write things out yeah Yes, and what it was doing, it, and I didn't know this till afterwards when I had reverse engineered everything, but what it was doing, it was shifting my frequency. Yeah. Because my frequency was down here, guilt, shame, low frequency. And so by just reaching up and being in a space of gratitude for the littlest things, and I do gratitude every single day. I do gratitude even if I feel that I'm slipping or if I'm getting a bit narky, I might be getting tired. I don't know. Whatever it is, is I'll find a way to bring myself into a space of gratitude so and it can be anything around me it can be um, someone I'm thinking about but I just constantly use it Uh, I was just walking up the stairs this morning to make a cup of tea and I just took a moment to just look at the stairs and at the top of the stairs I can see the sun coming through and the plants are there and I just took a moment to just really appreciate how beautiful that looked with the Mm. sun peering behind the plants and you know it's a moment of meditation it's a moment of silence it's a moment of connection to the earth and it's a moment of really raising my frequency so regardless of what's happening on a daily basis regardless of anything I always find a way to not just journal my gratitude but be in a place in a place of gratitude 
for having two feet, for having two hands, yeah. you know, or um, still being able to see even with glasses on at 55, you know, just the little tiny things. Yeah. And I swear, it, I, I swear, look, if you want a secret tip to staying younger, I swear gratitude is it. When you I absolutely a place of gratitude, yes. you just beam with light and love and it lifts your frequency and it lifts the frequencies of people around you. So I'm going to go, it's like the secret weapon for anti-aging. <laughs> How wonderful. Okay, Charlene, we are going to wrap this up, but we have absolutely loved having you on this show. And so before we do go, can you let everyone know how they can get in touch with you, where they can find you, all of that sort of stuff? Excellent. So it's Charlene spelt the Irish way, Chris, not the American way. So it's S-H-A-R-L-E-N-E and Lynch is an Irish name, good old Irish name. So you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on a website, Facebook, I'm, I'm YouTube, I'm pretty much everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and my and connect with me, have a conversation. And uh, my secret source is intellectual property. So if that's the thing that you need, come and reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today, Charlene. We've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you for being here and sharing your story. So appreciate it for you. <laughs> now, everyone have a wonderful day.